Hi, my name is Kara Myers and welcome to the Travel Business Lounge. Each week I chat with women who have built incredible businesses in the travel and tourism industry. You'll hear their inspirational stories of success. We went from 2,000 a month to about 70, 72,000 a month um, in that span of, of nine years. And struggle. I wish that I could tell you that I pivoted really quickly and like jumped back on my feet and I did it. And what they learned along the way. Give yourself the grace of knowing that it's not gonna happen overnight and you're gonna make a ton of mistakes. And as long as you learn from them and move forward, that's okay. So grab a coffee, hit subscribe and get ready to learn and feel inspired. Hi, and welcome everybody to the first episode of the Travel Business Lounge, the place where we celebrate and learn from female entrepreneurs in the travel industry. In today's episode, I have the absolute pleasure of speaking to Candon Arseniega, my friend and former boss, who is the co-owner and COO of Free Tours by Foot, a name-your-own-price walking tour company that operates in more than a dozen cities around the US and Europe. I actually got my start in the travel industry with free tours by foot back in 2012 as a tour guide in Washington, D.C., so this episode is especially dear to my heart. Candon shares how name-your-own-price tours work, including the major benefits and challenges of running this type of business. We'll also learn about the game-changing strategy free tours by foot used to increase bookings from 2000 per month in 2011 to over 70000 per month in the lead-up to COVID-19. Uh, Now, unfortunately, there was an issue with my mic at the very start of the recording, so I wasn't able to capture the first few minutes of me welcoming Candon onto the show and us chatting about our adventures in D.C. However, the good news is that this just means she'll need to come back for another future episode uh, so we can finally share the story of the phantom snake attack from our six-day cycle ride from D.C. to Pittsburgh. But the even better news is that the content of this episode is especially good and super actionable. If you're interested in starting a walking tour company or you're looking to expand your current company into different locations, or if you just like to learn how to diversify your income, because as Candon reveals, there are many other ways to make money as a walking tour business beyond just through tour bookings, uh, then definitely tune in. Plus, at the end, she shares some incredible productivity hacks, so make sure you stick around for that. Honestly, she is the most well-organized and highly productive person I know, so you definitely don't want to miss her tips. So without further ado, my professional mentor and very good friend, Candon Arseniega of Free Tours by Foot. Hey again, it's Kara. I just wanted to mention one last thing before we dive into the show. This episode was originally recorded in the fall of 2020. Everything that is discussed is still absolutely relevant. You just might notice some references that date it to that time. Uh, But not to worry, there's still loads of great content. So I hope you enjoy it. And now, back to the show. First, what is Free Tours by Foot? Where do you guys operate? What kind of tours do you offer? And then let's go back in time and talk about how you got started with Free Tours by Foot. Oh, so long ago. Uh, So Free Tours by Foot is kind of a... um, a platform for guides to list name your own price tours. Uh, we think of it as a price list experience at a price you choose, which Becca, a tour guide in DC, came up with that slogan. I've stolen it because I think it's amazing. <laughs> That's um, perfect. It is perfect. Uh, we There's no pressure to pay. We, of course, would like you to. Uh, we try to, we do our best uh, so you feel like it's worth it. But if you choose or can't afford or just, you know, want to take it for free, you you can. Uh, we operate in so many places now. Uh, New York, Boston, Chicago, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Charleston, New Orleans, San Francisco, L.A., London. And then Berlin was running, then it stopped, it's starting again. Uh, and then we partner with cities all over the world. Uh, so other Name Your Own Price tour companies in Rome and Prague and Lisbon, we we partner to 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 work with them to offer name your own price tours in those cities as well. Um, and I I think that's it. I honestly don't know how many cities we're in now. 
Um, That's crazy. Yeah. I focus on our American operations since I live in the United States. Uh, I have hand everywhere. Um, I do something for every city. It varies on exactly what that is. Um, But the, the American operations are always forefront in my mind. And those are the ones where we have more of the name recognition here in the United States as uh, as free tours by foot or in D.C. as, as D.C. by foot. Uh, but we're trying to move away from that for a long time to kind of one, one brand. Uh, I started, um, I have degrees, bachelor's and master's in history, and I was living in the U.K., um, so kind of you in reverse. And then I came <laughs> back to D.C., um, by pure chance, my husband's best friend lived here, and we fig- had to figure out where what American city to move to when our visas expired uh, after grad school. I actually, so DC by foot was a company already. Uh, it was just DC. It was very small, had just started. Uh, as I did, didn't take reservations, only had one or two tours, didn't operate in the winter. Uh, so very, very small. And I emailed. Uh, the the main email line and I called them the wrong name uh, so I used the name of a rival company so I was like hello whatever the rival company was my name's Candon I'm interested in being a tour guide uh, and Steven who is now my business partner replied back and he's like well we're we're not that company but we are looking for guides so phew <laughs> he did not mind uh, that I did not proofread that email and I started out as a tour guide and I loved it and it surprises anyone who knew me as a child because I don't think I ordered my own food from restaurants until I was like 18. I was so shy as a child. And now I talk for a living, which is very strange. <laughs> um, but it put my history education background to great use in a way that doesn't require me to sit in a classroom or at a desk because those do not work well for me. Um, and so I started out as a guide and kind of getting a feel for how the company was running, there were lots of things that I thought they should be doing business-wise that they weren't um, to kind of help us grow. Uh, So I started managing Washington, D.C., and that worked out really great. And um, humble brag, we grew a lot after that. And then uh, one of the owners of D.C. by Foot was moving to New York for personal reasons and wanted to expand the company to New York. So I partnered with him to start New York, and then we kind of took off from there. Um, and I don't know if I have an official title. If I'm trying to be fancy, I call myself COO um, because I do a lot of the day-to-day operation stuff with the company. Um, but I don't – it. yeah, sometimes I'm just like, eh, I'm the manager. I'm a tour guide. <laughs> I think on my LinkedIn I say COO because it sounds fancy. Um, but, you know, we're still a small family-run business. We're just everywhere. <laughs> um so I don't know if a, an official title really matters. Because behind people doing the behind the scenes stuff, that's the really tiny team, isn't it? There's not a lot of you who are actually, you have a lot of guides, but you don't have a lot of people running the business or involved in the in that side of things. Yeah. It, on the business side, it is, I don't know, like four people. Well, right now it's me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, we have, um, we have Stephen and myself. Uh, who do pretty much everything, um, and then a few, two additional hands that help out with the kind of the accounting side. But I believe that's it. In in every city, um, we kind of have like a, a city manager, a lead guide. Sometimes it was me. <laughs> so uh, uh, when we started in New York, I managed New York. I did not lead tours in New York because I'm not licensed as a tour guide there. Uh, but I help coordinate guests with, you know, connecting them with tour guides. I help manage our schedule and the booking system and things like that. Uh, same with Chicago, Charleston, New Orleans. I, ma- I manage the, the operations. But now we have a lead guide who kind of does all that stuff in those cities. Uh, though I still manage Charleston because uh, I love Charleston and it's fine. Um, and then, uh, but, you know, all the social media is me. All of like the, the technical side, like website updates and, you know, how the reservation system works. Um, that's all me kind of like the the company rules I am like I'm the social media I'm the HR everything but finance I do not handle accounting because that's far beyond me Um, (laughs) though I did manage our entire PPP application which I'm very proud of I had to I'm basically a CPA now um, because I figured that out all by 
Googling, but it was, <laughs> well it was a process. Thank you. I'm very proud of it. It took more hours than I probably was paid for by the PPP, but whatever. Um, but, but yeah, the behind the, the admin behind the team, behind the scenes team is pretty small. Right. Okay. So you, you've started as a guide in DC. Uh, Stephen then moves to New York and says, Hey, let's partner and grow beyond DC. So you start running tours in New York. Uh, what was the next city that you launched tours in? That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> I think it was New Orleans. Maybe it was Boston. Could have been Philadelphia. One of those. I feel okay. like in the span of a year or two, we launched all of them. Um, Boston, Philadelphia, New Orleans, and Charleston were all pretty quick succession, all, all about the same time. Um, San Francisco and Los Angeles really came about more recently solely because um, tour guides in another city moved there. So our city manager in Chicago moved to LA for personal reasons and started an LA walking tour company. We partnered with her a tour guide from Washington, DC, moved to San Francisco, his hometown started San Francisco by foot. We partnered with him. Uh, so those were two cities we probably wouldn't have opened on our own, except for we knew people who were starting walking tours there and we trusted them and we knew them. Mm. But I feel like the other cities were because they're, you know, big touristy cities that we we opened up there before we found a team down there. Right. So I know for New York, obviously, Stephen was living there. So he was, you know, helping to design the, the tours themselves. But what about cities where you, you or Steve didn't live in, like New Orleans or Chicago? How did you get those off the ground? don't know if I should put this out on air. Uh, New Orleans, I distinctly remember developing our French Quarter Tour using Google Maps. I'd been to New Orleans many <laughs> times, but obviously not enough to, to get, like develop a tour. Uh, so I did tons of research of you know most popular sites to see, and I plugged them all into a map, and then I developed what I thought would be a good starting point, an ending point, and a route. We like to keep our tours about two hours and about a mile to a mile and a half. And I kind of developed it that way. And that's how we started. And then once we found a team on the ground, I was like, mm, make it make it your own. I could be very <laughs> wrong how this works. I like to think that the tour still runs the, the way I started it because I think I did a really good job. Uh, we always start in a city with the main tours. Uh, so New Orleans was French Quarter. Washington, D.C. is National Mall. And then as we grow and we find expert guides on the ground, we kind of branch out into theme tours. So here in Washington, D.C., uh, you know, I wrote a book about Georgetown. I developed a historic Georgetown tour. Uh, in New Orleans, we have a guide who is also a voodoo priest. Uh, so he developed a voodoo tour. Uh, so we can get people who have these very specific local uh, neighborhood or theme knowledge to develop develop their own tour in that particular city but we always start with what tourists are searching for the most kind of that 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 main draw like why are you visiting that city right and is there any kind of research that you do to confirm that or are you just thinking anyone that goes to new orleans is definitely going to go to the french quarter or is there like data that you're looking at to suggest that a little bit of both uh i'm a pretty avid traveler I've been to everywhere we operate, I had been to before just on my own. Uh, so a lot of it was, where did I go when I went to go visit that city? Um, and then we did start doing research. You know, what? where are neighborhoods that other, other companies offer tours of? Um, what are, you know, the big stops on the hop on, hop off bus tours? When mm -hmm. things started to really focus on SEO and Google, which is, I'm still a learning point for me. Uh, we really started to look at like the terms that were being searched. Um, so when people searched something tour for New Orleans, like, you know, was French Quarter Tour or Garden Tour, Garden District Tour, which, which one was a more popular search and things like that. Uh, but when it first started, it really just was, where did I go when I, <laughs> when I went to that city? Um, because those were the areas that I could start developing a tour because I'd been there before. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's a good way to start because I mean you want to take it from experience I think it's better to start there than to start 
with just looking at the numbers. Like the numbers are a good affirmation that you're doing the right thing, but having that personal knowledge is, is I think far better. Yeah. A lot of it is just making, I felt it just felt more authentic. Be like, I, I am recommending that we start here because I love touring this area myself. Um, if it was just a, a neighborhood that the numbers were, were for, I felt, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel real to me. Yeah. That's, I think probably one of the many reasons you guys have been so incredibly successful <laughs> over the years. Uh, now you've mentioned uh, tour managers in different cities. Could you elaborate a little bit on, you know, what that role involves and then kind of maybe how you found the right people for that job? A lot of it, it I mean, it varies city by city, you know, what skills, business skills do they have? Uh, some of the, or computer skills is another thing. Uh, so not every city manager is good with the the invoicing aspect or, um, you know, how to work the booking system. Generally speaking, um, a city manager's main job is to coordinate with the guides on the ground. Um, I know all the guides in the other cities. I, I like to think they know who I am. I know who they are, but I don't help schedule them. Uh, I don't know their availability or their strengths or what tours they want. That's that's the tour, the city manager's job because they're they're on the ground. They can meet those people in person. Um, so the the scheduling of the tours, um, especially when it comes to things like, uh, oh, we can't run the Greenwich Village tour today because there's a big festival. Um, I don't I can't keep up with every festival in every city. Uh, so the city manager has more of kind of that local knowledge. Um, there are times where I'll do the invoicing or I'll do the, the, the booking system or I'll do the customer service. Um, but ideally, a city manager coordinates with the guest, answers questions about specific tours that come in via phone or email and kind of works with the tour guides. Some city managers are really good and, and interested in doing social media. Um, if you follow Free Tours by Foot Boston, Brian posts a picture of his head in front of a famous landmark every day. And that's the <laughs> thing. That's the thing. Um, and it's great. And I love him. Um, so kind of they, they each kind of do whatever their strength is. Every city manager started out as a guide uh, and then proved themselves reliable and trustworthy and knowledgeable. Uh, and that's, that's kind of what promoted them up to city manager. The good thing about being a city manager, all of our city managers are also tour guides. We don't have anyone who only does the business side but doesn't know how to lead a tour. Uh, there's not a single person involved in this company who isn't also a tour guide. Uh, so we're very much a company run by guides. Um, so the city manager, as a guide who's in charge of the schedule, gets a chance to like, you know, I want to lead that tour. And they have the right to say that because they get they're they're doing the schedule. Yeah, I think I think the fact that all of your managers are guides is so important. Like I think that's one of the reasons that you were such a good manager is you could empathize with the guides you were managing so well. Like you knew how hard it was to lead back to back tours. Um, or how, you know, certain tours, you know, were more lucrative or more stressful than others. So it made such a difference um, from, from that perspective. The, the biggest rule that I have as a manager of D.C., but also I ask other city managers to think about it this way. I don't ask the guys to do something that I wouldn't be willing to do myself. And there are times I'm, I will say, hey, I don't want to do this, but I'm presenting this option to you. But, you know, it's totally fine if you say no. Uh, which generally happens if I'm not willing to do it. Usually nobody else is willing to do it either. Um, but it is helpful. That is one of the big kind of selling points, I think, when I'm trying to recruit new guides is that, you know, I don't sit in an office somewhere and not know what it's like. I very much know what it's like. Um, and it's helpful for them to know that uh, if I ask them something, they know it's because I have done it myself before. Yeah. That, it's, that was so appreciated <laughs> when I was a tour guide. Uh, now, you, you have tours in so many different cities. You know, obviously, you're, so you're in contact more so with the managers than the individual guides, I, was, I would assume. But how do you keep the, like, maintain the high quality um, in, in all these different cities, especially as you've grown so much over the years? A lot of it is I read personally all the feedback emails that come in. Um, 
and it gives us a chance to really kind of get a sense of who's good at what and who needs improvement. Um, but I don't feel like I have to do as a manager or just as a business owner, a lot of work in making sure that we get the best guides um, because of the model of our tours, because if it's a name your own price tour, if the guide's not good, the guide's not going to make any money. And if the guide's not making any money, they're not going to stick around. Uh, and that makes it really easy <laughs> to weed out people who are good and who are not. Because uh, if they're not very good and they don't find it worthwhile, then I don't, I don't think I've, I think I've fired or not fired. I think I've stopped working with maybe four people ever in any city, in, in any city personally. Um, and it's just been kind of people slowly get phased out because they don't make enough money to survive. Um, I, for, as in DC, because I am in, in the one in charge of finding and training new people. Um, I'm not in other cities, so I don't, um, I don't know exactly how everyone else does it, but I think it's always about the same. We, d we either don't train guides at all. Like I want someone who already has a tour developed and then we start marketing their tour. Or I take someone who was not a tour guide and I train them in my image, which is my pref preferred way of doing it. I like to find someone who is just like, you know, a people person and, and knowledgeable. Um, and then I kind of make them how I want them to be. Uh, but I don't, uh, I don't like, I don't like working with people who kind of have a little bit of guiding experience, but I've like been taught by someone else. Um, cause I don't like having to like break them and then remold them. But there are a lot of people who I, I mean, I've, I've recruited some guides in DC cause I've seen them on the national mall giving a tour for another company. I'm like, Psst, you're really good. Come work with me. Uh, and it, I think we're a great company to work for. And I think we have the reputation as being a good company to work for. Uh, because if you're really good, you can make a great living as a tour guide. Uh, and because we're very fair and we're very reasonable people to work with. And because we're a company run by guides, uh, I get it. Um, I, I understand the, the, the to and froms. And I don't ask unreasonable things uh, from people. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think a lot of people, they think, oh, it's free tours. You're not, you know, how are you going to make money from that? But it can be extremely lucrative um, as a guide, because exactly as you said, you're really motivated to do your best, you know, show up at the top of your game, because that determines how much money you're going to take home. Yeah, I have to convince you to pay me. Uh, so I <laughs> yeah. need to be good at it. <laughs> Yeah, you're never going to rest on your laurels and, you know, just, I don't know, glide by. Uh, you always want to, you know, yeah, prove to the to the group that, yeah, you're worth them giving you a decent tip. Yeah. Um, oh, don't use the T word. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. Speaking of that, let's talk about the business model itself. So, yeah, you don't like referring to it as tipping the guide. It is a pay what you like tour. Uh, the guests pay what they like, and then some of that money will go to the guide and some of that money will go to the company. Right. We call it a marketing fee because guides develop their own tours. And I, you know, I joke about training people in my own image. We don't have scripts for any of our tours. Uh, I, I don't tell an, any guide in any city uh, for any tour does not get a, you have to do this. They get a, you have to start at this place because this is where we advertise we start at. And you should end at this place because this is where we advertise that we end at. As long as you're nearby, that's fine. Uh, and you have to include these sites that we advertise. But it's very much your tour. Like your National Mall tour and my National Mall tour were very different. They included the same things, but they're very different. Uh, so the, a tour is very much a guide's own work. And so we kind of just market their tour. Um, so we consider it more of like a marketing fee. We're helping get guests on a guide's particular tour. Um, it varies city to city exactly how it works and how much it is. And right now we're not doing any <laughs> marketing fees, um, just to get guides work. Um, but, uh, that, yeah, that's, that's how the company started, uh, as like that, when we started, that is how the company made money. Uh, and because I made most of my money guiding towards not not managing or owning the company, um, it wasn't that profitable uh, of a company. And I know I'm kind of 
pivoting away from your question, but hopefully the segues into something else. A couple <laughs> of years ago, uh, we started kind of changing the company from just being a marketing platform for tours to being kind of an all-inclusive you know, travel guide company. We wanted people not just to come to freetoursbyfoot.com to book a name your own price walking tour in whatever city, but to see what they should do in each city. Uh, what are the top things to do at night? How to get tickets to this? Uh, the best place to, to stay? The best places to eat? Uh, and not just in cities where we operate tours. So we have content written about um, Seattle where we don't off- we don't offer tours right now. We have content about a Savannah where we don't offer tours. Uh, And just any big place that we thought people would want to know about, we would find locals on the ground to help write the content. Um, So we really wanted to be more of um, a destination for people looking for information to travel. Um, What allowed us to diversify our income was affiliate marketing. Um, I do feel very strongly that we shouldn't really recommend things unless we actually think they're worth it. Um, So you know, what I, I did a lot of research in Washington, D.C. I took every bus tour um, and I have very strong feelings about some of them, um, <laughs> of which ones we should recommend and which ones we shouldn't. Um, but with the affiliate affiliate marketing, uh, when people come to our website, if they book a tour, we recommend with another company, uh, we get a little bit of that um, uh, of that payment uh, to us as as part of kind of the, the trade off for recommending them. Uh it doesn't cost the guest anything, uh, anything more. And sometimes guests get a discount um, by booking through our website for these third-party sites. That's so brilliant. So you have blog posts for about each of the cities you operate in and other cities that you don't and just share information that someone visiting that city might want to know, like the best bus tour in DC or best, I don't know, hotels or that sort of thing. Yeah. And it's, I personally think it's great because if you want to visit a city, like say you want to come to Washington, D.C., feel like you can get any information you need from our website. And even, you know, we have posts on things that that don't allow affiliate marketing, uh, that don't make us anything, like all of our guides for the Smithsonian's. You do need time tickets to visit the Smithsonian's right now uh, during COVID. But, and you know, we link to them. We don't, you know, make any money because they're free tickets. Uh, But our main goal is to provide just the best amount of information, everything you need to plan a trip to any city we could think of. Um, We have it written on our on our on our website. That's great. And I imagine the benefit is twofold, because not only are people clicking on those affiliate links and therefore you get however much money from those click throughs, but also it's bringing more people to your website to begin with. Right. Um, and getting more bookings and people on your tours. Uh, not not everyone searches for free tours. Um, there are a lot of people who think they have to pay for a tour for it to be a quality tour. Um, and so our hope with this was someone's looking for, you know, the how to get tickets to tour the United States Capitol building. They find our very well-researched and well-written blog post about it and then sees that we offer our own Capitol Hill tour, which includes tickets. And then they'd be like, oh, well, you know, it has good reviews. I like their website. They provided lots of information. Let's try it out. We get a lot of people uh, who book one tour with us um, in advance. And then after they take that tour, they go through and book a whole bunch more uh, because they realize that they're really quality tours, uh, which is very helpful. We hope everyone does that. Yeah, no, that's, that's incredible. And just to talk a little bit more about your growth, Obviously, it started with D.C., then New York, and then has expanded to a lot of different cities. But since you've been part of Free Tours by Foot from 2011 till now, what kind of how has the number of guests booking your tours evolved over the years? So when when I started as a guide in D.C., we did not take reservations. Um, We we had. I want to say like maybe three or four guides and we led just a few tours. We started to grow, so we started to require reservations because it just it makes for a better experience. Uh, it also allows us, if there's 100 people who booked a tour, we'd send three guides, uh, which used to happen. We used to have 100 people book one tour, um, and we would send three guides because those we wanted to keep the groups manageable. Uh, so when we started in, with the reservation system in 2011, the average amount of bookings on our website was about 2000 a month 
um, that would have been for DC, New York, uh, I think Boston and Philly and New Orleans were probably about that time too. So that that was for every city total. Uh, as we continued up uh, right to the beginning of 2020, the number was about 65,000 a month. Um, and that would be for every city except for DC because DC moved to its own reservation system. Um, so I never actually looked up before talking to you what DC was, but I would say it was it it was around the 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 five to seven thousand a month. DC was uh we had quite a number of bookings in DC. I think New Orleans our biggest our biggest city. The number of people who book tours is actually New Orleans, um, and then New York and DC kind of rotate depending on the time of year. Um, who is who is a little bit more. But yeah, so we went from two thousand a month to about seventy seventy two thousand a month, um, in that span of of nine years. Wow, that is insane. To yeah. Well, now you can see why I couldn't do it myself. And we had to bring in city managers. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's also interesting that New Orleans is, I would have thought that New York um, or potentially DC would be the highest, but New Orleans, that surprises me in some ways. I don't have any real reason uh, to back up this assumption, but I think uh, we have more competition in New York um, and in DC, we we do a lot more private tours in DC than our public tours, and I don't I don't have numbers for that. Um, I know they have increased exponentially as well. Um, and DC does a lot of school tours, which does not book through our booking system. Uh, so purely name your own price public tours, uh, New Orleans is one of our biggest cities. But we we were one of the if not the first name your own price tour there, and we we might be the only ones now. Um, we're the only one who survives this. Um, but uh, I think, yeah, I think we had just less competition and, and more um, freshness in New York. I mean, in New Orleans, uh, whereas New York the, and D.C., there are other name your own price walking companies. Mm. None as good as us. of course. <laughs> it's got to get that out there. Uh, that's incredible, though. More than 65,000 bookings per month. What would you attribute to that sort of success and that growth? What are the things that have been most important in, in making that growth happen? I think one thing that we are known for in all of our cities is the variety of tours that we offer. Uh, those specialty theme tours, neighborhood tours uh, that kind of you, you come to D.C. to see the National Mall and then you discover that we offer a tour about Lincoln's assassination or a ghost of Georgetown or women's history is uh, a, a theme that we we now have lots of tours that focus on. Uh, so, you know, we kind of get you here with the National Mall Tour and then then you realize all of the other tours. Uh, so those 65,000, you know, many of them are the same person just booking five different tours while they're in a city. Uh, and then um, we get a lot more people who came to our website because of our our content and our, uh, our travel blog uh, and then booking our tours from that. Because when we started, oh, my God, when we started, our website was like a one page Netscape type of web. I distinctly remember trying to edit. Like there was no, it wasn't WordPress. I had to just go into the HTML and edit it. And I remember when we first got the reservation system, installing a little scrolling bar at the top that says reservations now required. Oh my God, it was horrible. And then we upgraded it. We're actually upgrading our website right now because even our current website is incredibly outdated. Um, so <laughs> it is currently being, you know, all coded and stuff that's beyond me. Um, hopefully in the next month or so, we'll have a brand new, beautiful website. Um, but yeah, the the increase of our website, I think, directly led uh, to more people booking our tours. And, you know, we also, we, we opened more cities uh, that allowed for, uh, we give a lot of people who like collect, collect us, like, oh, I took your tour in New York. And then I saw that you were also in this city. Uh, so I wanted to book you there. In fact, I'm, I'm working with a lady who is a regular in New York and is for the first time venturing south to DC and just booked five tours with us this weekend. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, we get a lot of people um, who kind of like find us in one city and then if they're ever going to another city, check if we're there too, which we appreciate. Please do yeah. that. And I mean, people who love walking tours really love walking tours and they will seek a walking tour out in any city that they go to. I mean, what's not to love about a walking tour? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm a walking tour junkie. I love it. So I don't understand why you wouldn't want to. Um, 
if you could just walk us through the booking process from the kind of the client's point of view and then when, you know, how that uh, customer feedback email comes into play. Yeah. So all tours require reservations, though we do accept walk-ups. Um, so if you you don't know if you want to attend a tour until right before, uh, you can you can make a reservation or you could just show up if we can accommodate you. Uh, we do, we do, but even before legal requirements to have small groups, uh, we tried to keep groups manageable. So if too many people walked up, we would just have to, sorry, reservations are required. We don't allow, we don't allow groups on the tour. Um, you know, we try to keep it to just individuals or, or you know, friends traveling or a, fam- a single family. Large groups kind of change the dynamic of a tour uh, and they have a very high no-show rate. And because we keep groups at a set number, um, if you book a tour and then don't come, you know, that's that's not fair to people who would have attended if, if they wanted to book and it's not fair to the tour guide. Uh, so you book a tour, uh, you get a confirmation email with literally everything you could want to know about the tour um, and anything you want to know about Washington, D.C. And uh, if you book too far, like um, if you book more than a week in advance, you'll get a second email about a week before the tour, just reminding you all of the details. And then the day before the tour, you get an email from the tour guide with their individual contact information. That way, if you are running late or you have you know very specific questions, uh, you will um, you will get uh, you'll be able to contact the tour guide directly rather than trying to you know call the office. Hey, I can't find the tour guide, and then I'm like, okay, she's here. Oh, you still can't find her. She's in an orange shirt. You can just you can do that with the tour guide directly. Uh, you take the tour. We hope that you love it. Uh, and then about five to six days after, we send another email asking for feedback. Uh, we want to know, you know, were you able to attend the tour? But if you weren't, was it because we didn't give you, you know, good directions on how to get there? Was it because, you know, the metro was not running at 9 a.m.? Why would we schedule an 8 o'clock tour? Um and then if you didn't like the tour, like, was there something uh, that the guide said or is there something that wasn't properly advertised about the tour? Uh, we want to know all that information because it's so helpful. There's a lot of things that, you know, we think are very clear. Um, and it isn't until someone says, well, you know, it's not. That's not clear. Uh, you need to, to better elaborate on that. Uh, and that helps us out. And then we, you know, with that feedback email, we always add the biggest, the biggest thing that helps us uh, is word of mouth. Because name your own name your own price tours can't be sold on sites like TripAdvisor, um, we're effectively hidden. Uh, you know, a lot of these ranking sites aren't actually ranking the best of the best. They give a priority to places or, or tickets that they can sell. Um, so word of mouth is kind of the biggest thing for us, and. Uh, we ask people to you know, to share us with friends and family, uh, talk to us on social media because social media is still new to me and it's really nice to have conversations in the comments with people. Um, and so it, we, we kind of, we use these, uh, um, these emails, these feedback emails to get, to get stuff from the guests, but also to ask them things as well. Now you said that you also have, paid tours. Do you sell any of your paid tours on any of those platforms or is it exclusively through your website? No. So a couple years ago in DC, we started to do ticketed tours. We started with our Ghost of Georgetown tour because it's a specialty tour. So not every guide could lead it. It's such a popular tour, but we have so few people who know it and can, you know, you have to be a certain kind of guide to give the ghost tour. Um, so it was in such demand that we couldn't kind of keep up with it but because it ran at eight o'clock at night in a neighborhood that doesn't have a metro station we'd have so many people book it and then not show up Um, and it just it wasn't financially feasible to continue doing it that way because a guide would show up and they're like all right i have a fully booked tour and then no guests would show up and if no guest shows up the guide makes nothing Um, so we started selling that as a ticketed tour and it worked really well. It allowed us to kind of have a good sense of the numbers, made sure that the guides had a, a, a good group of, of people. And, you know, it's a great tour and it's very much a specialty tour. Uh, so it's definitely worth we, we tried to come up with what we thought was a very reasonable price of twenty six dollars a person. Um, and uh, we started that and then we, we kind of went with that with some of our other specialty tours 
And we do market those on literally any place we can market them to. So they are listed on TripAdvisor, which is, I think, now Viator. Um, we list them on Airbnb Experiences, on Gold Star, uh, any place that we can uh, list tour. It, it also kind of allows us to, again, market to people who aren't looking for free tours. So people who are like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna fi- to find a tour that I have to pay for. And then they take this and while we tell them about this specialty tour, we also mention our name your own price tours that they can take while they're here and then they can book and join those. So it's another way for us to kind of get our name out there. Yeah, no, that sounds great. And you're covering all your your bases that way. Yeah, it's really allowed us to have a tour of some sort in any market that you would find a tour in. Yeah, absolutely. And you said like, for example, one of the challenges you had in with the ghost of georgetown tour was that guests would you would have lots of guests sign up but not everyone would actually show up so you had to change the model of that particular tour um but otherwise this business model of you know name your own price tours sounds perfect but what are some of the you know perhaps other challenges that you've dealt with in using this particular model from a guest perspective you know we we do have people who don't pay anything, which is very much their right. That is the risk of this tour. Uh, If they all show up on the same tour, then the guy could give a two-hour tour and make nothing. Um, So that is part of the risk of the company and the tour guide is uh, that, you know, you could have a bad day. Um, There are a lot of factors that influence how much someone thinks a tour is worth that's not actually the guide's fault, like bad weather. Though the best tour I ever give is pouring down rain. And I was just like, I was going for it as a guy. I was like, I'm going to give them a great experience. And I think everyone appreciated that. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's a it's hit or miss on whether that works or not. Um, so, and, you know, if a guy doesn't make money, the company doesn't make money either. <laughs> uh, so that is, that is part of it. From a business perspective, especially here in the United States, name your own price tours in Europe have a very different kind of, you know, they're, they're expected. Uh, But here in the States, especially before we started expanding to all these cities, they were very novel and kind of people approached them cautiously, which meant we had a lot of the established guiding companies um, in these cities who were like, who who are these people? Um, I know here in Washington, D.C., a lot of the licensed guides thought that we were, you know, college students here for the summer. Um, just giving some tours to make up some traveling, some cash to travel to the next city, which is very much not what we are. Um, all of our guides are licensed. Most of us have advanced degrees in history and teaching experience. Um, and that's true for every city. If it's a city that requires a tour guide license, all of our guides are licensed. If it's a city that doesn't require a tour guide license, we, we put a little bit extra, um, like, you know, effort into making sure that you really are qualified to do this. Um, so we had, uh, we had to deal a lot with, uh, the, the establishment in the guiding community in these cities who are like, what, what are these free tours about? And, and thinking, um, a lot less of us, um, at the time, I do think that we have proven ourselves in any city that we had that issue with, um, everyone now, kind of realizes that we are great guides and we take this seriously and this is our career. Um, We're just choosing to do it in a different way than they did. Um, And it's been working for us. Yeah, absolutely. I do remember in my like early days as a guide in DC feeling some animosity uh, from some other guides. So yeah, I thought maybe that we didn't take it as seriously, but I mean, all of us were super passionate about history, super passionate about um, yeah, doing a really good job, but as you say, just doing it in a, in a slightly different way. I, I don't want to focus on COVID, but obviously we need <laughs> to mention it. Um, I mean, it's been horrible for, for everyone in tourism. Could you speak a little bit about the effect it's had on your business and any ways you may have had to pivot? Yeah, it's been hard. <laughs> Um, so when it first started, I do think that, um, because we're international, we took it a little bit more seriously than some of our American counterparts that are just based in American cities. Uh, so I started preparing for it a lot earlier on than a lot of other people. Uh, it hit at the worst 
time, our busiest season in D.C. and many of the other cities is the spring, March to June. I mean, you know, some guides only work March to June and then spend the rest of the year traveling. Um, So the fact that we were closed completely um, was really hard. Um, and we like we we haven't we haven't opened up in Boston yet. Uh, we haven't opened up in L.A. We're not giving public tours um, in those cities. Boston, we're giving private tours, small group. L.A. is just nothing. No tours whatsoever. Um, so like we're we're slowly like New York is only just as of today <laughs> open uh, for small group tours. Um, so it's been it's been really hard, both professionally and thus personally. Um I am trying to look at the bright side in that because we're diversified, uh, because we're both international and, you know, because we are international um, and we have our hands kind of in lots of tourism pots that we can survive this. And I'm not sure every company can say the same. Um, And if I want to be like super sharky about it, you know, when this is all over and travel comes back we'll be one of the ones that survive so it'll be good for us I hate that I don't like I don't like thinking like that but I I, I think that might happen um, if if we survive one of the ways that we've pivoted so we're focusing a lot more on virtual travel um, and it's not a way that makes us any money um, but it is a way to keep our name out there and keep people interested so like they take a tour with Andrew of the Garden District uh, in New Orleans, or me in Georgetown here in Washington, D.C., uh, they get a little sneak peek of uh, what we're like as tour guides, what they could see when they come to town. So when they do plan a trip, that they remember us. Uh, so it's really kind of a way just keeping our name out there. Um, we're partnering a lot with um, with schools. School travel was a big thing in some of our cities like D.C. and New York. Uh, so, you know, school trips aren't aren't happening. These students can't come to DC, but we can join in on their Google Classroom um, and kind of give them their their own little virtual tour. Uh, so that's been a very small source of income for our tour guides. The What we're doing in DC is we've pivoted to ticketed tours. We offer very few name your own price tours right now. Um, DC is in a unique position where in addition to the pandemic. Um, we are we are a city that often has lots of demonstrations and protests. Uh, so we have to kind of work around that as well. I remember um, right in June, our most popular tour in DC is a tour that are, is around the White House area. And we had three scheduled. And then uh, the Lafayette Square protests and demonstrations were happening. So it was like, oh, we have to cancel them, even though we're they were the only the first tours we had booked in months um and uh, you know good good reasons to cancel them so i'm totally totally fine with that uh so we moved to ticketed tours in dc as a way to keep the group small um and to make sure the guides because our guides have they don't have other jobs in dc this is their career um they were out of work for so many months we're you know so few people right now we want to guarantee them some payment um, so the name your own price tours was just too much of a risk to take. Uh, we do them occasionally. We still have a few of them, um, but our tours are really good. Our guides are really great and we want to make sure that we support them. Uh, we have what we're doing right now is a minimum. Um, we, we have to sell three tickets for a tour to run. And if we only sell ticket, three tickets, the guide gets everything. Um, so the company makes nothing if we only sell three tickets, but that makes sure that the guide, you know, is able to survive because we want to keep our best guides, uh, through this. Cause if they all leave and then travel does come back, I don't have anyone to like this weekend is a holiday weekend though. It shouldn't be, but that's a different story that I don't support Columbus day. Um, <laughs> it's very busy and we have we we've lost a lot of our guides. I said the other day to someone, I said, we lost a lot of our guides due to COVID and they write for like, I mean, it was my fault for phrasing it that way, but they thought that the tour guides all got COVID and died. <laughs> I was like, oh no, 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 no. I'm sorry. They found other jobs or moved out of DC. <laughs> like oh, no, no, nobody's gotten COVID on our tours. Um, <laughs> so I have to learn to rephrase that in a different, different way next time. Um, but yeah, we're so busy this weekend that I, I've had to turn down some things or ask people like, hey, instead of doing 10 o'clock, can you do 12 o'clock uh, to see if I can like fit all the puzzle pieces together? Um, because we I mean, we basically have three guides and then me and then I can only give a tour if I have childcare. care. Um, so it's been 
it's it's my fear is if we don't find a way to support our guides right now that when things come back in the spring um i don't have anyone to lead the tours all of the school tours that are thinking about coming in 2021 are coming in june and it's just like kara would you like to come back in for a couple of weeks i have a guest room <laughs> like i can oh, no. i can never handle june to begin with like ever so the fact now that all of the march and april bookings are now also coming in june it's going to be it's going to be a cluster. It's what it's going to be. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do hope they come because we need the work desperately, but I would like them not all to come in the same weekend. Yeah. But yeah. So that was a, that's kind of how we, we tried to pivot. Um, we're, we're also in every city really stressing local tours. Like, Hey, you're already here. You probably aren't working. Let's be honest. Uh, come, come explore your city with us. Because uh, our tours are great for locals because they're not just, you know, the 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 tourist sites. They are the neighborhoods and, you know, the, the things that you walk by every day that you didn't realize are fascinating. Um, so we've been pushing a lot for local tours because it is a safer way for, for travel, quote unquote, travel to happen um, and small group private tours. So it's just you and the guide, very easy to physical distance. Um, and all of our tours are outside. So there is, you know, we were already at a lower risk. There was very little about our tours that we had to change to meet any of the safety um, suggestions. The only thing that we've changed now is everyone obviously wears a mask on the tour. Um, if a tour ever did go inside a location, we don't do that now. And um, we, we are discouraging cash payments. Everyone has Venmo. Um, so we are hoping kind of to to encourage that type of transaction. Well, well, of course we'll accept cash, but don't yeah. be offended if I put it in a baggie and like shake it around with some bleach. Or something. <laughs> um, but those, those are the the big things that we've pivoted. Unfortunately, because it's just a, such a smaller market of people traveling, um, you know, not a lot of people are looking at our website right now for travel tips because they're not traveling. Um, mm. And because it hit the industry so hard, a lot of like uh, the bus tours that used to give us a commission for selling the tours, they're not they're not doing that anymore because they need to keep whatever they get, um, which is very understandable. Yeah, it's so tough because it's yeah from a business standpoint, you've had to you know adapt in so many ways. But then yeah, also as a in a health and safety standpoint, you've had to reconsider everything as well. But I think it's so important to keep your guides at the forefront and I know that they appreciate that a lot as well which is why everyone loves working for you <laughs> we, try. we uh, try but you said you mentioned the virtual tours have they been very successful have you had a lot of people logging on to do the virtual tours uh yes and no so we started back in the spring doing short virtual tours on social media and then leaving the guides to Vidmo for tips not successful did not work um we tried to do like um, private virtual tours for people, but it was hard because we were all in our houses. So a guest would, the way it would work is I would show you stock footage that I had or historic images and things like that. And it doesn't really give guests the sense that they're there and that's what people were looking for. Now that we are not all in our basements all of the time, our virtual tours on our YouTube channel, the longer ones, the ones with the guide actually walking around the site, those are much more popular. Um, the ones for Andrew in New Orleans have been incredible. And that is, he is so personal and good looking. Uh, so it's really <laughs> hard to compete with that. But uh, it like, it's really giving a, the sense that people are there. Um, and those have been, uh, those have been working really well. We don't make any money off of those. Um but uh, in fact, we're losing because we're paying everybody. We're paying them to make them. Um, but we're hoping that it's a good investment. I will be leaving here in a few hours to go do a sunset walk of the National Mall um, because I think that's the type of you know thing that people are looking for. The long videos that kind of bring bring them here, um, and that way they'll be like, "Hey, this is beautiful, and I love this. I'm gonna like it. I'm gonna share it, and then I'm gonna say I'm gonna add this to my bucket list." of a place I want to go. And then when they come, they're like, Hey, who is that company that showed this to me in the first place? Oh, free tours by foot. Let's go. Let's go walk with them in person. That's our plan. Um, it's kind of new. We've only been doing it for about a month now. 
uh, for these long form virtual in-person tours, but they seem to be working pretty well. Um, and at the very least, they've been fun to do. It's been a, a nice change of pace for me um, to edit them. I'm really good at editing videos now. Uh, so I've <laughs> added a skill to my resume if uh, if tour guiding doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah, that's a good attitude to to have. And something I definitely noticed working for free tours by foot is you guys are super committed to the long game and investing in things now to reap the benefits later. And I think having the attitude of, well, you know, these virtual tours might not be making us any money currently and they're actually costing us money, but hopefully in the long run, it'll pay off is a, yeah, a good approach to, to business in general. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody knows what the future holds ever, especially now. <laughs> uh, so we're doing what we can and what we think is working. We'll see if it, if it benefits us or not. <laughs> and I know also in DC, at least you guys have started a podcast. Could you speak a little bit about that? I would love to. I feel like everyone's starting a podcast. Uh, yeah. So we actually thought about this years ago um, and we we tried it. But instead of a podcast, we tried it as a YouTube series called Should Have Asked a Tour Guide, which was so much fun. It's basically us just answering questions for people about common myths of Washington, D.C. And then when we all were trapped in our houses, we're like, we should do this, you know, as a podcast uh, and we started Tour Guide Tell All, and it is the Guides of Washington, D.C.'s free tour by foot. Uh, so we are all D.C. tour guides, but we're all just huge history nerds in general. And the good thing about D.C. is it really relates to just American history as a whole. Uh, so it's not a, it's not a podcast just about D.C. There are many times we bring back a topic to, you know, how you can see a person's house in the city or, you know, how it relates to D.C., but the overall point of the podcast is to really focus on events or people uh, in American or I guess world history in general. Um, and honestly, we started it because it was a way to continue talking about topics that we love and to have some socialization with our other tour guides, uh, you know, separately via Zoom. Uh, but still, <laughs> like I got to see their faces. Uh, and it's been so much fun. Uh, and it's been so good for me um, because like we'll come up with an idea and I'm like all right you know I do I mentioned this person on a tour and I can give you a two-minute summary of their life but I can't give you a 50-minute podcast about them so I have to do my research and I have to come up with all of these great things uh, because I have kids and as you've noticed they tend to come down into the studio when you're not supposed to <laughs> I don't do a lot of the hosting of the podcast uh, I've kind of been more focusing on the back end, like the admin, setting it up, the social media, uh, the mixing, the editing, um, which has been fun. I mean, that is my forte, administration, organization. <laughs> that is that is what I'm good at. Uh, so we, um, we, uh, we've kind of put ourselves into to, to little places with the podcast where Becca and Rebecca tend to host. I hop in every once in a while if it's a topic I feel very strongly about. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's been so much fun and it's a nice change of pace. And I do think it has been um, leading people to our tours as well uh, because the, you know, how engaging a person can come across in a podcast but if you're engaging in a podcast, you must be engaging in person and, oh, I'd love to take a tour with you. So it's really showing people that we are very knowledgeable, that we're not just memorizing. We're not actors memorizing a script. Uh, we can we can talk off the cuff on any topic that you want to talk about as we walk from place to place. Uh, and we can be we can be fun about it. Yeah, I've really enjoyed listening to some of the episodes. I especially like the one on the presidential drinking habits because that was just fascinating and I yeah, have a lot in common with a lot of former presidents, apparently. So yeah, I know it's great. <laughs> it's been uh, it's been fun. It really has. I'm actually my goal today is to edit our podcast for tomorrow um, because I forgot it was Wednesday. And so I need to do that right away. Uh, and I have to write uh, Monday's episode. I'm so I'm doing a lot of our October podcasts because I like the darker side of history and that fits very well uh, with this month. Uh, so I get to do there's a cemetery in Georgetown. Uh, where they used to do body snatching, and there's a satanic cult that took up residence there. And I'm so excited to talk about it. <laughs> uh, 
All right. So I know I've taken a lot of your time already, but before we go, I do want to talk about productivity uh, because as you mentioned, organization is your forte. You are superwoman when it comes to organizing and managing several things at the same time. So could you just speak a little bit about, you know, if you have any tips on productivity or how you do it all? Uh, never sleep. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> actually, my, my advice is the exact opposite. And I discovered many years ago what works for me and like, you know, my mindset and my kind of, you know, how I am able to focus. Uh, when I am working, I am working. And when I am not working, I'm only half working. Uh, so I take plenty of mental health days. Uh, I get lots of sleep. I try not to stay up late and work. Uh, since I've had kids, I've kind of had to change my my hourly, like uh, my day-to-day my -day routine. So I do work more now at night because they're asleep and it's quiet and I can do things. Uh, lately, I've been going to bed at 8-ish when I put them to bed and waking up at 4, um, which I thought I would hate. I actually love. It works out perfectly. <laughs> But yeah, no, there are plenty of days where like, no, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to watch horrible television, I'm going to take a bu bubble bath, and I'm going to order pizza and Ben and & Jerry's. I'm very <laughs> big into mental health days. It's definitely kind of a reset and a refresher. Um, I have, when a project comes or an email or a question or whatever, I kind of look at it in three ways. I always ask these three questions. Is this something that has to be done at all, ever? Like, is it, it does this really need to happen? Um and you'd be surprised how many times the answer is no. You know, we, we don't actually need to do this. Uh, I ask if it really needs to be me who does it or can someone else do this? Um, I don't do a project or if it just because it comes to me first does not mean I, I need to be the one who does it. Uh, I delegate a lot of things to other people. And if it's something that someone else can handle, I let them do it. Uh, I am a control freak when it comes to things that I'm in charge of. But I am once I give it away to something like this is yours. I don't care how you do it. I don't care when you do it unless there's a timeline associated with it. Just <laughs> do it. Um, and does this need to be done right now? Uh, so, you know, does this need to be done at all? Am I the one who has to do it? Does this need to be done right now? Those are the three questions that I ask myself anytime something comes up. Um, and it really does allow me to focus on what is something that only I can do and what is something that is time sensitive. I use Google inboxes to separate my inbox. Uh, my inbox is very organized. I did read something on Twitter that people spend like, is this like, it's either 65 hours or 65 days a year <laughs> organizing their inbox. And I don't know if they were trying to say, oh, this takes up too much time and it's not worth it. But I completely disagree if that's what they're saying. It is very worth it to have your inbox organized. Uh, my email response time is immediately or never. Um, I, <laughs> I can confirm yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's so very true. Um, and But that from a customer service standpoint, a lot of people, and you can read our TripAdvisor reviews, they talk about like how quickly we answer things. But when you are planning a trip, you need to know the answer right away. And I very much feel that from when I am the customer. Uh, so I want to give it to them. As a manager, my, um, my, uh, my email signature, it says I may be replying at 3 a.m. on a Sunday. I do not expect you to be working at that time. Um, I send emails when I can, um, and I don't expect my tour guides to answer out of office hours, but I don't have office hours. I, I work when I can, um, but I just want to make sure everyone knows that I don't expect them um, to hold the same, the same email standards <laughs> that I have with my 3 a.m. replies. But yeah, the biggest, the biggest thing for me because of the world we live in is an organized inbox is so like, you know, it helps my mind and my soul. Uh, to be clean, um, and just to make sure that, like, you know, say no to things, you know, hand it off to other people. And if you hand it off to other people, let them do it. Don't, don't like, stand over their shoulder. Um, make sure they're doing it right. I do get the reputation of someone who never takes a vacation, uh, who, you know, is always, who's always on, um, and that is true, but that is my personality. I, re I, I don't like not doing anything I I cannot relax if I don't know what's going on in the company because my worst fear like I would just be imagining things going up in smoke 
And that was proven right once. I took a week off. I did not check my email. And it took me three weeks to fix all the problems that happened in my one week off. Uh, So I find for my personality, it's better to check my email once a day, handle anything that needs to be handled. um, And and that allows me to relax for the rest of the, uh, the day. I use a program called Boomerang which I feel I should get some sort of like commission from them because I recommend this <laughs> to everyone. It, it allows you to send things later. So when I'm working at 3 a.m., I boomerang it to send at 8 a.m. So I look like a normal person. Um, <laughs> but also like a thing will come into my inbox. And I'm like, I don't, I don't have time or I, I don't need to handle this right now. I can say, hey, bring this back next week. Or, you know, um, if I need to, to, to wait for a reply, um, but I, I want to make sure that I don't forget about it in case they don't reply. I can set it up. So it says like, Hey, they haven't replied yet. Do you, you know, remember this? Um, so it's been, it's a very helpful organizational tool. I will link to that in the show notes as well. That's yeah. really good. Boomerang for Gmail, the best. It might be free. <laughs> I actually don't know if it's not free. It's worth it. And if it's not free, I should get a commission boomerang. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Candon. Uh, if someone wanted to get in touch with you or take one of your tours, uh, what's the best way for them to get in contact? So if it's something that I don't need to handle, it's freetoursbyfoot.com. Uh, but if you want to talk to me directly, you can email me, C-A-N-D-E-N at freetoursbyfoot.com. I'm sure Kara will put it uh, in the show notes. And uh, if I don't respond within a day, then I'm not responding ever. I probably died <laughs> what happened. fair enough all right well thank you so much again uh it's been yeah a real pleasure it's been fun talking to you after all of these months years it's been way too long